Come on, can you guys give your leaders a big God bless you? Come on. Wow, what an amazing introduction. Wish my wife had been here to hear that. And we're being signed today. This is great. Pastor Jonathan's awesome. Pastor, Pastor Jonathan's amazing. I just want to see it signed once. I never saw it signed. How you guys doing? Oh, it's terrible. How you guys doing? What an amazing worship team you guys have. Can you give them a big round? Wow. So much better than I had in, in college. That's just way better, way better. Well, hey, I just got a couple of thoughts I want to share with you guys today, and um, I'm excited to be here with you. Uh, like you said, we're uh, from Passion Church in Maple Grove and in Fridley. My wife sends her love, and my not one, but two, but three, but four, but five, six children. I think maybe we got a picture of them. I don't know if they, there they are, six. And we got, uh, let's see, it's uh, one's 12, uh, nine, seven, five, three, and 11 months. I'm going to learn their names next, but that's their ages. And, uh, but they're, they're, uh, they're, they're awesome. Hey, I just want to talk to you guys out of the book of Mark, uh, chapter two, if you have your Bibles. And I just want to share, do what? Oh, you should. Come on. I like her in the front row. Give her around. This is, um, I can preach to her. Mark chapter two. And uh, I just want to share a little bit about grace and forgiveness and healing to you, and then I'm just going to pray. Uh, but just here at Mark chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, it says, And again he entered, talking about Jesus, entered into Capernaum. It was noise after some days that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together in so much that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And Jesus preached the word unto them. And they brought one unto him uh, who had palsy, which was bore of four, four men carrying this one man to Jesus. And when they couldn't come because of the press, they ripped off the roof where Jesus was and let down the sick of palsy. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of palsy, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain scribes sitting there reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak blasphemy? Who can forgive sin but God? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reason within themselves, he said unto them, why do you reason this within your hearts? Whether it's easier to say to the sick of palsy, son, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise, take up thy bed and walk, but that you may know that the son of man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He said unto him, I say unto you, arise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately he picked up his bed so much that they were all amazed because they never saw it in such a fashion. I'm gonna pray for you. Would you pray for me real quick? Father, I thank you for this amazing group of leaders. Lord, I just pray that you'd use me for your glory in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. Anybody here ever made any mistakes? Come on, some people have two hands up. Anybody, you better say amen about that or I'm coming to your family reunion. How many people have just blown it before? You've absolutely blown it. I've blown it, we've all messed up. The Bible already told on it says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I have really screwed up in parenting. 
already. Uh, I, re- I remember a story. We were, my dad's from the Bahamas. Anybody ever been to the Bahamas? How many people want to go to the Bahamas? Who wants to plant a church in the Bahamas? Any church planters call it? But my dad's from the Bahamas, and we had just had our first baby, Alexander, and we would got to Florida. We were getting on the tarmac to go uh, on this little puddle jumper plane, they call it. And uh, I'm standing out there. We're first-time parents. We got the giant stroller and everything and the backpacks and all this stuff. And Joanne goes, I got to go to the restroom. I'll be right back. And so I said, okay. And I, I gave him the carry-ons because everything's got to go into the plane. It's a little plane. I fold up the stroller, gave it everything. And she comes back and she goes, where's Alexander? And I said, you have Alexander. And she goes, I don't have Alexander. And we looked over and she goes, oh my God, you folded him up in the stroller. And I did. I, fo- I didn't know he was in there and I folded up the stroller and I gave it to the guy to put under the plane. And people are looking at us like this kid doesn't stand a chance. So we've all made mistakes. We've all blown it at some point. Or other, we've got to have some grace. I don't know what your childhood was like, but hopefully your parents didn't fold you up in a stroller to put you under an airplane. So we've all made mistakes. We've all blown it at some point or other. But I think that the church today has to be a a hospital and not a courtroom. Amen? That we can't have a place where we're judging people. We've 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 got to be a hospital. And if we're going to be a hospital and not a courtroom, then there cannot be a list of sicknesses that we refuse to treat we got to be able to help people right where they are. And that we're all going to make mistakes, that falling is a part of the process in learning to walk. My little daughter, uh, Victoria, all of them, when they were learning to walk, you know, they would fall down all the time. And I grew up in a very legalistic uh, uh, church movement where there's a lot of judgment. And, and you know, I, I saw people say things like, when you make a mistake, like, hey, you're not serious about about this. And, and until you're serious, why don't you just sit there and think about it? And it would be like me taking my little two-year-old daughter when she'd fall and say, you know what, Penelope, you're not serious about walking. And until you're serious, why don't you just sit there and think about it? I never did that. You know what I said? Come on, get back up. Come on, get back up. Get back up. You can do it. Come on, get back up. Don't quit. Get back up. You know that kids fall down hundreds of times while they're learning to walk. And out of those hundreds of times, the kid never once thinks, walking's not for me. You know, I fell down. I'm just not meant to walk. I just shouldn't walk. I should give up on this. I shouldn't try anymore. You know, I fell down. You know, I fell down three times. I fell down ten times. My kids fall down dozens of times every day. And they never once think walking's not for me. I'm here to tell you that falling's a part of the process in learning to walk. And if you've fallen, just get back up again. And then isn't it great to be a part of a university like this and have Christian leaders in your life that champion the cause to say, if you've fallen, get back up again. Come on, can somebody say amen if you believe that today? That you gotta forgive yourself and you gotta forgive others. And forgiveness is really a gift you give yourself. Anytime you say, I won't forgive those people until they, then you give those people the authority for your healing. And what if they never? So it's got to be a gift you give yourself. Even Jesus, while he was dying on the cross for our sins, while people are nailing him to it, none of those people were saying, you know, hey, Jesus, forgive me. He, He just said, Father, forgive them, because forgiveness is a gift you give yourself. 
People may never ask you to forgive them, so it's something you've got to do within you. One of the Greek words for for forgiveness literally means to exhale. It literally means to get it out of you. You've got to, how many people have some things that you'd like to get rid of today? How many people have some, some hurts and some pains and some anxiety and some fears? You know, we're all born with two fears, the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. Every other fear in your life, you learned it. And we're doing a series right now called Thriller at church. Any, any MJ fans in here? Any Michael Jackson fans? And I'm a big Michael Jackson fan. This is the closest MJ jacket I've got. You know, they don't make them for big guys. I can't, I can't zip it. It's too tight, but it's the closest I got to it. But, but we're doing an MJ, uh, MJ performance on Thriller right now, but we're all born with two fears, the fear of falling, the fear of loud noises. Every other fear that you've got in your life, you learned it. We've got to get rid of that. We've got to give that to God so that we can become who he has called us to be. And you've got to have friends in your life like this guy who's in this story. He was bore four. He couldn't carry himself, but he had four men who had the faith for him. It wasn't even his own faith. Sometimes you're going to go through things where you don't have the faith to do it, but you were strong enough to surround yourself with at least other friends that did have faith. I would want to encourage you, as you guys are going through college, to surround yourself with young men and women who have faith, because there's going to be moments where your faith is going to waver. And you've got to be, you've got to be in a position where you've surrounded yourself with people who can carry you in those moments. It didn't say when Jesus saw the faith of the man with palsy. It said when Jesus saw the faith of the friends, their friends... He got healed on his friend's faith. It's not always the faith that you've got. It's the faith of your friends that you surrounded yourself with. And these guys just, I can imagine what it was like. They get there. They finally get this guy to Jesus. He's heavy. They get him there, and they can't get in because of the press. People who are blocking the way from them getting to Jesus, religious people. And they said, you know what? We're going to have to create another way to get our friend there. They went up on the roof and started ripping off the roof. Now, this is intense. You know, there wasn't like planning for it. They had to wait there while somebody ran to Home Depot to get a chainsaw and a rope and a pulley. And and so they finally rip off the roof. I mean, whose house is this? This is your house. You know, they're they're ripping off this guy's house. They're letting in somebody else. And this guy, his entire, the entire title on him is sick of palsy. We don't know his name. All we know is his condition. And people love to label you by your condition rather than your name. Come on, amen. And they label him by his condition. His friends had the faith to create a new door. You guys are the generation that's going to have to create a new door to help get people to Jesus. Everybody's not going to come in the traditional way. Everybody's not going to come in the way that that you thought they would come in and the way it's always been. You're going to have to rip off some roofs. You're going to have to get creative. You're going to have to do some things that you've never seen done before at the expense of people talking about it, fussing about it, fighting about it. You're going to have to rip off some roofs in order to get your friends to Jesus and create some new doors. Amen. Come on. You're going to have to do that and have the faith to do it. When we when we were church planning, we had to do some things that had never been done. We started businesses. Churches didn't do it. We started, we, we were a portable church. We started a U-Haul franchise. We started a U-Haul franchise because we wanted to meet all the new people moving into our city, and we needed, we didn't have trailers, so we needed access to trucks. So we had trucks, and we got to meet all the new people moving into our city because we partnered with U-Haul. We started a driving school to minister to teenagers because the one thing every teenager in the world wants to do is drive. 
We started a web marketing company. We started an event center. We did all kinds of crazy things off the cuff. Why? To create new doors. That's what we're doing, Thriller. The traditional church is like, what? I can't believe you're doing that. But we're doing things because when man looks at the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. But we're not trying to win God. We're trying to win man. And man looks at what? The outward appearance. It's bait. We're called to be what? Fishers of men. And bait tastes bad to fishermen. But fish love it. What can you do to win people? What can you do to create a new door to reach your city and reach your community? You got to try again. Even if you've made mistakes, just try again. I was shocked to find out, and I didn't know this because I'm not big into video games, but I didn't know that the video game industry massively outsells the movie industry. Like, it's not even close. Like, one of the greatest grossing movies of all time, Avatar, what that generated in a year, Grand Theft Auto did in the first week. Like, the video game industry massively outsells the movie industry. And so they did a survey to find out why. And they said, you know, why do you think that people prefer video games over movies? And people thought, well, maybe it's because they're, you can have addictive behaviors. It's a fantasy world. It's a, it's a this, it's a that. None of that was the number one reason. Do you know the number one reason why people preferred video games over movies? It's because at the end of every video game, it asks you a question. Do you want to try again? And the fact that you can make a mistake and not be a mistake the very fact that even though you messed up, you get a chance to try again. I want you to know that God is the God of not just the one chance, not just the second chance, not just the fifth chance, but he's the God of the 34th chance and the 72nd chance. How many people are glad that you've had some chances with Jesus? Come on, can I get an amen about it? Try again. Learn how to handle the offense of people. We're gonna, we're gonna constantly have offense. But you're going to have to learn how to forgive. You're going to have to learn how to let it go. I deal with my, my kids all the time. They just have things, and they'll be arguing and fussing. They won't let it go, and I make them sing the Elsa song, Let It Go. And they hate it. I'm like, you got to let it go or sing. They're like, oh, okay, I'll let it go. But you're going to have to learn to let go of things because you're not a prisoner to it. You're going to have to learn how to release it. You know, in the Caribbean, where my father's from, they have these monkeys there. And they have these monkeys that they'll catch. And they catch these monkeys. What they do is they take a coconut. They center out uh, the inside. They put an orange in it. And they attach the coconut to a tree. And these monkeys come along. And they put their little hand in this coconut. And they grab the orange because they love it. And the only thing is they're not tied. They're not trapped. And the hunter will come along and just scoop them up. And all they have to do to be free is let go. But they will not let go of it. I'm here today to let you know that some of you have some things that you might be holding on to that you need to let go of. You're not trapped. You're not imprisoned. You just need to release it. And you need to let it go so that you can be free. You see, we need grace, but we also need truth. You see, grace, grace lets people belong, but only truth sets people free. And you, gotta be, you have to be in a place, yes, you're in a place where you belong, but you also have to have the truth of God because if not, you'll stay bound. You'll be in church, but you'll be bound in church because it's not enough just to belong in church. You want to be free in church because he whom the Son is set free is what? Free indeed. And so you've got to have grace and truth. You've got to be in a place where you can 
be open and be honest and learn how to let go of the offense because God's going to send people in your life that do offend you. When God gets ready to promote you, he sends someone to offend you. Because nobody can pull out of you what's not in you. When I was a little kid, we had remote control cars, but it was Owens because you had a cord from the remote to the car. And you can only get the car to go as far as you have the cord. But, but now it's like remote control truly where you can be way, I bought my kids one and so they can be way back away from the car and hit the button and the car moves. And so my kids, you know, like to operate on things. So they figure that that little thing up under the hood of the car seems like a good thing to hack off. And so they're not happy until they have hacked it off. And then they go back and hit the remote and the car doesn't move. Do you know why the car doesn't move? It's because the remote now has nothing in the car. Jesus said, the enemy of this world has come against me to try me, but finding nothing in me. See, nobody can pull out of you what's not in you. That's why you got to go to God and say, God, if there be anything in me, take it out of me. God, purify me. I don't want to have anything in me. I don't want the devil to have anything in me that all he has to do is hit the remote and I fly off the handle. I get angry. I start lashing out. I start doing this. I start doing that. God, take it out of me and make me be like you. We've got to have this heart for God in our life. I'm almost done. And Jesus healed this man immediately. He, he, he rose up. You know, when you have an encounter with God, everything changes, and it changes instantly. And it wasn't his faith. It was the faith of his friends. Everybody else calls this man sick of palsy. Jesus calls him son, taking upon himself the role of a father, giving identity to someone who had no identity. Your identity is not in what you did. This whole world wants to tell you your identity is in your actions. You did this, so you must be that. You are not what you did. You are who God says you are. And if you are who God says you are, you can do what God said you can do, which means you can have what God says you can have. And in order to find your identity, you're going to have to go to God and say, God, tell me who I am. Jesus calls him son, takes upon the position of a father, and Jesus said, why, why do you guys reason in your hearts whether it is easier to say, sons, thy sins be forgiven thee, or say, arise, take up your bed and walk, but just so that you may know. You see, I just got to, I, I, I'm almost out of time, but Jesus healed this guy just to show those people that he was God. I, I want you to know because there's some people in your life that are going to try and hurt you, abuse you, neglect you, talk about you. But sometimes it is their negativity that inspired God to do the miracle in your life. The Bible says you're considered favorable when you endure unjust treatment. And all of us at some point have an issue in our life that we've got to go to God about. All of us. I had them, can you bring me that yoga mat real quick? I had them bring this mat. Not that I do yoga. But this guy's laying on the mat, and oh, God, help me. He's laying on this mat, and he's, he's being let down, and everybody's looking at him. You just think about it. You know, it didn't even say, he never even asked Jesus to forgive him. But because of the faith of his friends, he's surrounded, he could feel embarrassed, I don't know what the situation was, but now all of a sudden everybody's looking at him. My sickness, my sin, 
my problem is on display. But your healing is in your humility. And most of the areas of your life where you have pain, you have pride. And God is saying, I want you to just come and come humbly. And once you get in that position where you can just rest in the cradle of his love and say, God, it doesn't matter who's looking at me, what people think about me. That's when your healing can take place because God's got you in a place of humility. And now he's there and Jesus says, arise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately he gets up. Hopefully he got up quicker than I'm getting up, but he got up. Oh, God, help us. I don't know how your pants can be tight and falling down, but somehow. (laughs) He gets up, picks up his bed. And this is something, I just want to leave you with this last point. He picked up his bed. Why, Why would Jesus tell him to take up his bed? It seemed like, Jesus, the thing you set me free from, I want to walk away from it. I don't ever want to be bothered with it again. But Jesus told him to pick up his bed because when you meet Jesus, he gives you the ability to carry the thing that once carried you. He gives you the anointing to carry the thing that once carried you. It doesn't mean you get rid of it completely. It just means I can carry it now. I can handle it now. See, every up and down in your life, how many people have had some ups and downs? Every up and down in your life makes you a key to unlock somebody else's destiny. You're a key. You're not a problem. You're an answer. And every up and down in your life has made you a key to open somebody else's door. And God wants to take your misery and turn it into ministry. If you are sitting there today and you feel victimized, the only way you can move from victim is to move to vessel. You gotta move from a victim to being a vessel and you gotta show your scars. And I know you don't wanna show your scars, I know you don't wanna talk about the things you've been through, but that's the only way you can make sense of it. The only way you can reason why God lets you go through what you went through is when somebody else can see what you went through and saw that you survived it, now you can make sense as to why God lets you go through it and you've moved from being a victim to being a vessel. God heals your wounds, but not your scars. He's not going to heal your scars because your scars are your testimony of what God took you through. When we see Jesus, the Bible says we will notice him and recognize him by his scars, by the nail prints in his hands. And if Jesus is willing to be identified by his scars, maybe we should be willing to be identified by ours. Can I get an amen? Can I pray for you? Would you just stand with me all over this place? I've got one minute. How many students in the room right now, just with your eyes closed, say, Pastor Jonathan, I need provision. There's an area in my life I need provision. God gave me just a couple scriptures, Jeremiah 29, 11 for you. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, to prosper you and not to harm you. And if you're going through stress, you're going through worry, God gave me Deuteronomy 33, 25, as your days are, so shall your strength be. And if you're dealing with loneliness, Psalm 68 and 6, God sets the lonely in families to bring out those that are bound with chains. Father, I just pray for every student in this house today. God, I pray that you would give them the grace and the strength that they need to let go. Father, I pray that you'd surround them with men and women that would champion their faith. Father, I bless them and I anoint them that as their days are, so shall their strength be. In Jesus' name, everybody said, 
Amen. Amen. I want to thank you for coming out. I'm going to turn it over. I want to invite you to check us out at Passion sometime. We're, we're, not a, we're not a perfect church, but we will feed your faith and starve your fears. Amen. And if you know Thriller, come out this Sunday. Come on, let's give Doug a big round.